Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Seven. And we are going to start with verse 18. John the Baptist and Jesus. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying this, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying this, Are you the one to come or do we look for another? In that very hour, he cured many of infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave blind eyes sight. So here is this moment when John the Baptist is first on the scene before Jesus. John the Baptist is this voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way for the Lord. He is telling everyone about Jesus. He is baptizing people, but he's saying, listen, I'm not the one. There's one that's coming that's even greater than I. And so he's preparing the people, but yet there's this kind of um, thing that's going on in the town where more and more people are beginning to hear about John the Baptist and just what he is doing and, and, and all the things that are happening through him. So People know his name. He's kind of risen to a, almost a sense of no, notoriety, almost a sense of fame within the community where, man, if you got baptized by John and he's doing all these things and then Jesus comes on the scene and even Jesus is baptized and then all of a sudden things kind of take a turn for John and John finds himself in prison. And so now, where he was once out on the streets, out in the desert, out doing these things, and he's just baptizing, and people are flocking to him, now he finds himself in this prison cell. And the only thing he sees are these bars and this dirt. And all of a sudden, he begins to question. And he begins to ask, well, wait a minute, guys, go and ask Jesus again. Are you the one to come or should we look for another? Now, it's important that he's asking this question because he's actually the very first one on the scene to announce, look, here is the Savior of the world, the one that takes away all of our sins. So he makes this announcement that here is Jesus. And now all of a sudden, things have changed for him. He's found himself in prison, and he begins to question, wait a second, did, did I get it right? Because if you were the one to come, I shouldn't have ended up like this. I'm in prison now. Whenever you came, it, it was, in my mind, something was supposed to be different. And, but now he's in prison. And he's asking these questions. And he's sending his disciple because he's seen with his eyes. He's only seen what's right in front of him. And what's right in front of him is everything that he knows has changed. He's gone from, man, people are flocking to see me. Now nobody comes and sees me. Man, what has gone wrong with this picture? So he sends these men to ask Jesus. And then Jesus responds with this in verse 22. And Jesus answered them and said this, Go tell John the things which you have just seen and just heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed who is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he then began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. So Jesus sends these two disciples back to John and say, listen, tell him what you've seen. 
In other words, right now, John's seeing something else, but tell him what's really going on beyond just his bars, beyond just his pain, beyond his current state of life. He's saying, tell him what you see. And I think it's interesting, the very first thing that Jesus tells him, tell him that the blind see. Because right now, if anything, John is feeling blind. He's feeling like, man, all I have are these walls and these bars. And he's saying, listen, that might be all that you see right now. But the reality of the situation is I have come on the scene and the blind are seen. The deaf are hearing. And so don't just look with your eyes of what you can see right now because things are happening even beyond what you could see right now. How often do we know that that's true of our own lives? When we begin to look and we could just see with our natural eyes, we could find ourselves in all different types of situations all the time. And if we only go by what we see, it's not long before we're just this crazy emotional roller coaster of, man, things are good, things are bad. Things are good, things are bad. And so he sends this message back to him, encouraging him. The men leave, and he says this to them. What did you go out to see? Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see again? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? He's asking this question three times now. You went out to see a prophet. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before you, before your face. Who will prepare a way for you? For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not even a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So he's speaking now to this group of people. And this group of people that he's talking to now is very important because he's waited until the messengers have gone back to tell John his message. They've left, and now he finds himself surrounded by these people. And it's a wide, vast variety of people. You've got lawyers there. You've got Pharisees. You've got the religious leaders of the day. You've got what we would call the pastors of the day are there, the, the, the apostles, the prophets. All, anyone it was within the religious community, they are there. But then there's also another group of people there. There are the tax collectors, and there are the sinners and the prostitutes, and everyone is there, and they're hearing this message. So there's this, this wide variety that Jesus is speaking to. And see, the reality is even this morning, There's a wide variety of people in this room right now. See, there's some that came to church this morning, and they are more happy than they've ever been before. Man, today is amazing. God is good, love and life. And there's someone else in here that is hurting. There's someone else in here that is in pain. There's someone in here that's on the edge of giving up. There's someone in here that's broken. There's someone in here that just had the worst week possible. And so there's this variety of emotions, and there's all types of feelings. And and I'm giving this message, and Jesus was giving this message to all types of people. Now, what's interesting is how these people respond. There is the ones that you would think who would be in tune with the message of Jesus the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the days, the ones that knew the word. You would think that, man, if anyone's going to support everything that God is doing and God is saying, it would be these guys. But that is not the case. What are they doing? They are judging by only with what they see with their eyes. 
And we'll read on further in a second on how they're judging Jesus with, saying, uh, with what they say and what they do. We'll get there in a second. But what gets me is how often we can take that very same pose of when we come into church, when we go into our jobs, when we go into just everyday living life, it's easy to look out and see someone and instantly make a snap judgment and say, well, this about this person or that about this person. Um, I worked for a church in Michigan uh, right out of high school, or I'm sorry, right out of college, and it was a rather large church, and I don't know, maybe maybe 8,000 people or something like that, and I was doing the college ministry. And this pastor was an amazing, amazing pastor. I just, I just loved him. I mean, and he, he, he would preach these sermons that I just, how could anyone get mad at this guy? I mean, almost kind of like Joel Olstein or, I mean, it, it, how can you get mad at the guy that's just, he's just smiling, he's just happy, and he's just, I love you, and I mean, there's, there's these people that, it's just amazing, and what would get me is sometimes after the messages, after, after the uh, services, people would leave, and I'd hear people talking, and and people would be angry and mad. Well, I can't believe he said that, or I can't believe that they he did that, or whatever. And they just begin to talk about the pastor. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, how could you get? He just said, you know, Jesus loves you. I mean, that was his message. You know, how how can you get mad? And and so there would begin to be all this kind of different talk that I would hear. And and uh, at that point, you know, the, the church was it's a huge church, and, and the pastor drove a really nice car, and he he lived in a really nice house. And I would hear people say, "Well, you know, he the, he must be doing this. Uh, he has this house. He drives this car." And there was just all this judgment kind of going to him. But what they didn't know is they didn't know his whole story. They didn't know that whenever he finished college, he went and was a missionary to Mexico. He didn't know that for years and years and years, he lived on the mission field just by faith with nothing. They didn't know that he'd come out from these services and people would have slashed all of the tires on his car. They didn't know that not only would they only slash the tires on his car, but then they would urinate on those tires. And he'd have to be out there 10 o'clock at night trying to change these tires. And this would happen all the time. They didn't, they didn't know about bottles being thrown through his windows. They didn't know about all the things that happened with his family. All they knew was, man, look, Pastor has a nice car. And there was this kind of judgment. There's another um, example, uh, T.D. Jakes. He, and I've told this story before. He is probably one of my favorite preachers on the planet. I think the guy is amazing. And he, he, he tells a story of all of these young guys that would come up to him and just say, you know, pray for me that I would have your kind of anointing and your kind of ministry and we would, I would have all this. And he said he got to the point one day where he just kind of got fed up with it and this young guy comes up to him and he's asking that. And so he like laid his hands on the guy's head just full on and gripped him where he can't move. And he began to pray this prayer and he said, Lord, I just pray that you would send him through seven years of hell. That, that he wouldn't have, all he would have in his, in his uh, cabinet doors is just some beans and some rice to feed his kids. That he, they didn't know how he was going to make it. And, and have him in a church in the middle of the, the boonies in Virginia where he's only preaching to about seven people for seven years. And the guy said, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Don't pray that over me. It's like, wait a minute. 
See, you want what I got now, but you didn't go through what I went through to get to where I am. How often is that our story? We look at someone and we make these snap judgments. Um, My friend Michael that's here this morning, we were in a men's group the other day, and he's just sharing a little bit of his story. And he says, you know what? A lot of time these Christians, they get, they get mad at me or, or I hear all this slack about me smoking cigarettes. And he's like, you know, listen, listen, Lucas, you know what? I, I, I know that I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get rid of this one day, but what you don't realize is they don't realize what I've been through, where I'm coming from, the stuff I did before the cigarettes. And he, he, he did this, this quote, he said it was, you know, Joy, Joyce Meyer says it like this, and do you, can you remember the quote? I know it. I want to make sure I get it right. I know I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I ain't where I used to be. I know I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Come on, somebody. I know that's my story. I ain't got it all together, but thank God I ain't where I used to be. See, it's so easy to look out at our brothers and sisters and make these snap judgments. It's so easy to go into the workplace. It's so easy to live this life that's just full of, well, well, A, B, and C, this equals it. And we have no clue of people's stories. We have no clue of what they've gone through. And Jesus is speaking to this wide variety of people, full of leaders and full of sinners. And then it says this, and when the people, in verse 29, and when the people heard him, even the tax collectors, now like the tax collectors were, well, pretty much still like they are today. Nobody wants to hang out with a tax collector. You know, so if you're in here and you do taxes, you know that you don't have friends come April. Anyway, so tax collectors and They were just loving God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the lawyers, they rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by them. So what is it saying? See, Jesus has come on the scene, and he has said this. Now listen, there's this kingdom, this kingdom of God, and there's John the Baptist, and you guys love John the Baptist. He's awesome. He is amazing. What did you guys go out to see? You, you didn't go out to see some, some king with fancy robes and good, good clothing. And all that. No, you came out to see a prophet, and he was out there. He was in the desert, and he was crying, and people gathered to him. People loved him. People were being baptized by him, and he says, but you know what there is this kingdom and even the least in the kingdom is greater than he and so at this point all of those that have heard that all of these sinners say yes because in other words jesus is he's establishing not just an equality but he's establishing an acceptance that says you're even you could be even greater in the kingdom and see, there's this, kind of, there's this kind of social standard that says, look, I'm a sinner, I'm, uh, I'm a prostitute, I'm a drug addict, I'm hooked. you don't know all of these things. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, you're accepted. And when you come into the kingdom, you're even greater than this person that you would think is great. That is amazing. And so the sinners say yes. And then all of a sudden, all of the religious leaders say no. And they reject them. They say, this can't be right. You're saying that there is this equality, there is this thing happening, and it can't be right. We, we must be better than these. I mean, look at all that we do. 
have we rejected the will of God? And see, and then Jesus says it like this. And to what shall I liken the men of this generation? What are they like? Well, they're like this. They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying this. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not mourn. So he's relating this generation. He says, you know what? All of you religious leaders, all of you that think that you've got it all together, you're like kids. You're like kids, and and all you're trying to do is either entertain or evoke an emotion. And how would it be if, if Chris got up here and the whole point of worship was to just entertain you? Well, what if I got up here and the whole point of this, this message was just to evoke some kind of emotion out of you? Oh, it was really good because, man, these people were crying. Or it was really good because, man, uh, worship was just awesome because more people raised their hands. And sometimes there's that kind of mindset that we're just out to entertain or just out to evoke this emotion. And Jesus said, that's what this generation is like. It's like all those that you're trying to to justify yourselves by what you see. See, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned, and you did not weep. We're looking for all of these outward things, and Jesus said, you've missed it completely. You're seen only with your eyes. You're seeking your justification and acceptance based on someone else's entertainment and emotions. And we take the same stance Sometimes in our own life, in our churches, in our job sites, with our family. And he's saying if we could just see through his eyes. And so he goes on and Jesus says, For John the Baptist, he came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. And the Son of Man, he has come, and he's been eating, and he has been drinking. And you say, look, he's a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so what he's saying, he's saying, listen, John the Baptist came on the scene, and y'all got mad at him because he didn't eat and didn't drink. I came on the scene, you got mad at me because I did. In other words, you can't please anybody. Man, no matter what I do, some of you guys are going to find fault no matter what. You either eat too much or you eat too little. You drink too much or you drink too little. There are some that no matter what you just can't satisfy. How often is that true? How, how, even within me, you know, have you ever got home and, you know, Devin has cooked this wonderful meal. And then what are we having? Oh, we're having some chicken and rice. And I said, oh, really wanted a burger. No matter what you do. Oh, or, or what do you think? The, the red dress or the blue dress? I'm going to go with the red one. Okay, I'm wearing the blue. Wait a minute. No. What, what are you doing here? Like, no matter what. It's just like, I just can't. When have you ever felt like that? Like you just can't win? Like even in your marriage, you're trying really hard, really hard, and then just things, things are just continuing to fall apart. No matter what you do, you just can't win. Even at church, Billy Graham could be up here right now, and there would be people that would leave and say, eh, it was okay. We could have the best worship leader on the planet. Eh, you know, he missed a few notes. There are just some times, some of those people, and the... And Jesus is relating it to who? The religious people. Jesus is saying, look, the sinners and these people that, man, they are loving it. They're falling down and they're saying, you know what? Thank you, Jesus. We love you. The religious leaders of the day are saying, no, something's wrong with this. You've got to have 
A, B, and C going on. No matter what you do, you just can't win. Uh, my daughter, there's those moments where she's crying. Here, you want some food? Oh, you need a nap. Oh, let's change the diaper. Here's some toys. Here's some blues clues. No matter what I do, this girl is still crying. I'm trying to entertain her. I'm trying to invoke this emotion. And there's the reality of sometimes I get to the point where, okay, here is your crib. You're going to sit there and you're just going to cry. You know what? Get over it. And when you get over it, you could have something to eat. You could watch some blues clues and you could do whatever else two-year-olds do. You know what I'm saying? There are these moments. And Jesus coming and saying, listen, don't be like this religious group of people. Come and just accept the kingdom as it is in its fullness. Now here's what really is the kind of kicker of this whole conversation is what happens next in verse 36. And then the Pharisee asked him to eat with him. The very one that just finished saying, we're mad at you because you eat too much, asked him to eat with him. And this is what happens at the Pharisee's house. They sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was, what, a sinner, and when she knew Jesus was there, sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask full of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and with her head. And she kissed his feet and she them with this fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee, the Pharisee now, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke, saying, this man, this, if he were a prophet, in other words, all this is confirming what I already know, he would know what manner of woman this is and who is touching his feet, for she is a sinner. And he's calling her a sinner. He doesn't realize that he is the sinner. And it's amazing because he is looking to Jesus and he's saying, everything that I have against you is the very thing I'm coming and I'm asking you to do. So it's revealing his own hypocrisy that's saying, Jesus, you eat too much, but yet come over to my house and we'll have something to eat. And all of a sudden there's this realization that you, that even those that are judging you have their own hypocrisies within them. Even those that say, A, B, and C, you have to be like this. They're dealing with their own mess, and they don't even realize that they're the one in need of Jesus. Doing the very thing that they judged him for, and the prostitute comes in, and she just falls at his feet, says, you know what, Jesus, here I am, and all of my ugliness and sin And will you just accept these tears? And there is this moment with God where we stop seeing everything with our eyes and we begin to see things like Jesus sees them. If you could close your eyes for a moment. And while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. We have been forgiven of so, so much. Have you found yourself judging others this morning based solely 
on their outward appearance. Yeah, they might not be where they're going to be, but they're not where they once were. Lord, this morning, I just thank you for coming and dying on the cross. I thank you for those times, or Lord, I just ask you for your grace and your mercy in those times where I feel like John the Baptist and I'm surrounded by this prison and all I could see is dirt and bars and Lord, thank you for reminding me of what's really going on. Thank you that your kingdom is coming and that your will is being done. And Lord, I wouldn't be one of those that reject your will. Lord, that I would find myself like that sinner at your feet, crying and wiping and cleaning and saying, Lord, here I am. Lord, forgive me if I've tried to please man. Lord, I thank you that you've made me free to be me. For everyone in this room, you are free to be you. You don't have to be anyone else but you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in just a moment... We're going to. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.